Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. So how's Red Letter Challenge going for you guys? You got Tuesday, Wednesday, you got four or five days under your belt. Moving into technically week number two as we uh, talk about our first topic today on the subject of being. How are you doing? Keep it up with the challenge. Staying up on your readings, some of you. Most of you? All of you? I'll admit, I missed one this week. My wife and I got busy, and we made up for it last night by doing two studies, and it's okay. You, you go through this rhythm. You find yourself having this challenge on one hand and life on the other, and you have two rams colliding in the middle, and you have to figure out a way to make it work. That's why it's a challenge. That's why it's not necessarily the easiest thing in the world to do, nor is it the thing that's most convenient in the world to do. But I hope that you see as you go through this challenge that God is going to use it to speak to you in ways that that you may not have been open to hearing him speak to you in the past. So today we're going to talk about the topic of being, just being. So let me ask you this question. How do you answer the question, who are you? Now, you probably don't get asked this every day, because most of the people that you associate with know you, but if you showed up somewhere and it was the first time you were there and the people that were there didn't know you, they might ask it a little more politely than this, but what they're really driving at is, hey, who are you and what are you doing here? Who are you? So if I ask any one of you randomly, ooh, who should I pick here? Uh, I won't do that to you, but if I were to ask you, stand up and say, who are you? What kind of answer would you give to that question? There's a lot of ways that we can describe ourselves. You know, when we're young kids, we can say, I'm little Johnny, I'm five years old, I go to Sundale Elementary School, my teacher is Mrs. Robinson, and I like sports. But as we grow, our lives become more and more complex. I've heard people say, well, my name's Scott and I'm Ashley's husband, and that's the thing that defines me the best, right? I've heard people say, well, I'm the the executive director at such and such technologies company. I've heard people say, well, I'm retired. I've heard people say, I'm a Chiefs fan, or I'm a Cardinals fan. I've heard people say, I'm such and such as dad or mom. But you'll notice that no matter how you're answering that question, what's the one phrase you're always using? When you describe who you are, you answer it this way. Any answer that you would give will begin, I am. I am. So when people ask you, who are you, it's a question of being. It's a question of being. It's a a question of the verb to be. Is. Am. So, interestingly, whenever I ask you to tell me about yourself, even if I'm not 100% showing my interest, I'm, I'm probing you on the topic of your being. Have you ever thought about that fact before? We are called human beings. That's kind of a strange turn of phrase, right? We don't call it deer beings or canine beings or or reptilian beings, do we? 
Why do we insist upon calling ourselves human beings? You could kind of give like a little, a little pithy answer and say, well, all the creatures around us are beings. We just happen to be the human version of being. But once again, we don't use the word beings when we're talking about other creatures. We only use it for ourselves. And I think the reason is, is because you cannot identify another human unless you bring in words about I am or they are or he is or she does or is this, right? We have to incorporate understandings of our mode of being for us to describe people around us. When we see people out there on the street, we don't say, oh, that's just a, another being, it's just another human. We might see a dog and say, there's a dog out there. There's just a dog. Oh, there's a, 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 a possum in the road. Right? We might say something like that, but we wouldn't say that about a person. People are not defined just by the fact that, that they purely exist, but by their state of being. And until we can paint a picture of all of their I am statements, we don't understand them at all. We don't know who they actually really are. And human beings are called such because what makes us unique is the fact that there are hundreds of things you can say about us. Our mode of existence is defined by our state of being, okay? So let's think about that for a minute. As Christians, what is our state of being? What is our I am statement? I mentioned people will say things like, I'm a father, I'm a husband, I'm a factory worker, I'm a Cardinals fan, but how many of us as our core mode of being, and when we introduce ourselves, would say, I'm a follower of Christ? I think all of us would readily admit that's one of our modes of being, right? You're here today, so I assume in some order on your list of definitions of your mode of being, you would say, I am a Christian. But is that at the top of the list, or is it like number 14 or 15? That's a question for us to think about. And I think it's sort of highlighted by today's gospel lesson, which we'll get to in just a minute. But before we do, I do want to talk about this Red Letter Challenge week on the topic of being, because I think this is beautifully portrayed when it says our doing flows out of who we are and who we become when we spend time with Christ. I think in this, this 40 days of challenge, one of the things we immediately think of in our mind is all the ways that this challenge is going to make us do stuff. It's going to make us read our Bible. It's going to make us pray. It's going to make us do all these things in worship. It's going to make us get together with other Christians to talk about things. And, on, on, and generally, that's true, right? We have five big topics that we're doing, right? And, and outside of being, you know, there's, there's, there's going and there's, there's uh, serving and, and forgiving. And these are all doing things, right? These are all actions that we are called to do. But you'll notice that the... <laughs> The 40-day the challenge does not begin by giving you something to do. I mean, it kind of does because it gives you a book to read and a group to meet with. But where it starts topically is not in a state of doing, but in a state of being. Because if you start with a state of doing, you don't know why you're doing a thing. And this makes sense. This is the way we 
operate in our workplaces, in our homes, and, and in our everyday life, if we can't connect the thing that we're doing or the thing that we're being called to do or the challenge that we're being called to meet, if we can't connect that with some definition which is rooted in its being, in the state of our being, if we can't root any action that we're doing into some higher purpose or greater plan, then very soon that thing will just become drudgery and we'll set it aside for other things in life. Our doing in this life needs to flow out of our being. Because if it doesn't, we're not going to make it. Our attention is going to be drawn elsewhere. But if our doing is rooted in who we are and our very being, then we can't help but do those things that we're called to do because they stem from who we are. They stem from our identity. And, our, and the things that stem from our identity don't require a great deal of effort to continue doing. They become habits. The things that are just a part of your identity are the things that you naturally do every day. And so if we want to develop these, these doing habits, if we want to develop these, these routines of things that we do in the kingdom of God, we must start first not with doing, but with being. And so, let's get into the Word of God today. Our gospel lesson is the topic of the, the, the vine and the branches. Sort of almost a parable of sorts, although I don't believe we call it a parable. It's more of just a, a metaphorical teaching that Jesus says, I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I remain in you, then you will bear much fruit. Do you see this sort of logical progression matching up with what I just said, right? The first and most important thing <clears throat> is that who, who is the vine? Who is the foundation for our lives? Who is the root that we find ourselves planted into? Well, it's Jesus. That's where we begin. We don't even begin with our own identity in this, pa in this passage, in this picture that Jesus is portraying. The, the core of, of what we do isn't in our own identity, but rather it's only in our identity, in His identity. It's our I amness, our being, in His I amness, in His being. Do you start to see the connections back to the burning bush, right? God introduces himself to Moses and indeed the people of Israel and even to Pharaoh himself as I am, that I am. It's a statement of being. God's very name is a statement and a mode of being where all modes of being find their truth and their, and their identity in him. And Christ in his ministry here on earth had the same proclamation when people questioned his authority. He said, before Abraham was, I am. And guess what? People realize this association that Jesus was claiming to be the name of God and have that name for himself, so they tried to stone him. Jesus here <clears throat> begins this passage saying, I am the vine. I am the source of all being. I am the root of every identity. I am the one in which you need to find yourself planted if you want to have a true being. If you want to have an identity that has meaning and purpose and lasts. I am the vine. You then are the branches. 
So the branch has a mode of being, but not in itself, but in the actual vine, in Christ himself. And so if the, the branches, if we find our identity in Christ, guess what stems naturally from that? A branch connected to a vine doesn't have to strive to bear good fruit. It doesn't have to work hard to produce good fruit. A, a, a branch that has firmly found its foundation in the vine of Christ naturally, almost absent-mindedly, produces good fruit because its identity is a branch which bears good fruit. By being planted firmly in the vine, by being rooted firmly in the vine, a branch naturally, without hardly any effort on its own, bears good fruit. You see there it says, apart from me you can do nothing. If the branch is separated from the vine, no matter how hard it tries, no matter how far it strives, no matter what level of doing it tries to attain, it lacks its identity of being. It lacks its rootedness in the I amness of the vine. And it cannot bear even the most meager of fruit. It can't bear anything of lasting value. It's thrown into the fire. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. There is no use for them. There's no purpose. There's no doing in this life that matters if you don't establish, first and foremost, your being in Christ. If you remain in me, Jesus promises, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. So what is God's command for us then? Is it for us to to go out and do all these good deeds so that we can earn favor in his sight? Absolutely not. And as Lutherans, we would say, amen to that. Our whole faith is based on the fact that we don't earn our way into heaven. Our Our whole definition of what is true is that God is the God of grace and mercy who has given us every provision necessary for our salvation through Christ. And so our our whole lives are built around this identity of being in Christ. And so all we are called to do is not to do a bunch of things, but to do one thing. To focus on one endeavor before we try to do anything else. And that is to remain. How hard is it to simply remain? Guess what? You're remaining in your seats. Good job. I know that was hard work, wasn't it? But for some reason for us, one of the hardest things for us to do as people of God and as human beings is to just remain in our God-given identity and to find peace there and to trust there. For some reason, we busybody sinners feel like we need to get to work. We feel like we need to strive to bear that fruit. We feel like we need to work to earn some favor. We need to find a way to make this life around us fit our expectations of what God wants for our lives. Jesus says, forget all that. Leave all of that stuff behind. 
Throw that on the scrap bin to be thrown into the fire. The only thing I want you to do is remain in me. Be a branch firmly rooted in the identity that is yours in Christ Jesus. And see what I do. If you remain in me, I will remain in you and I will bear good fruit in you naturally. The doing does not come from striving to do. The doing comes from striving to be in Christ. Remain in me, Jesus commands, and I will remain in you. The most important mode of our being is simply this. Remain in Christ. Find your identity in Christ. And there's no other thing that you could say besides I am in Christ that could give a higher mode of your being, a higher call to purpose, a higher call to meaning, a higher call to do those good works that you do than this core identity of being in Christ. Being a branch connected to a vine. Not striving to bear good fruit, but allowing your connectedness to the vine to naturally produce that good fruit within you. And so that's why we begin with being today. We're not trying to give you 40 things to go out and do. We're trying to give you 40,000 ways that God, your Heavenly Father, has called you to rest in Him. And so this week, here are your things to do. (laughs) I just got done saying we're not giving you a bunch of things to do. These are actually things that you do to remain, the one thing, to remain in Him. So how do we find our connectedness to Christ this week? How do we exercise those muscles of being, of I amness that we find in the one true vine? Day six today, study the Word. Be in God's Word. Read His red letters so that you know His love letter, His plan for your lives. Engage in the conversation with him by hearing what he has to say, and then on day seven, by showing what you have to say to your heavenly Father by prayer. Prayer on day seven. Find yourself lost in a conversation with God, sharing the true content of your heart as you wish your children would share with you the content of their hearts. Day eight, worship. Find yourself not just at worship here on Sunday. But find yourself in worship by the things that you do, the things that you think, the things that you say, Monday through Saturday as well. Day number nine, make room. Make room for God. This is is putting the, the mute button on all the noise of life, or at least turning down the volume dial for a minute to allow some greater space, some greater room for God to speak into the the situations that are going on in your life. Day number 10 is a day of fasting. Now you might say, Pastor, this sounds an awful lot like doing, right? This sounds an awful lot like a thing I have to strive to do. Actually, when you think about fasting in the proper context of a thing that is is called to be rather than a a thing that is called to do, you realize that what fasting actually is 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 not striving for you not to eat food, but rather it's striving to find yourself connected to the vine by removing other distractions. If you have a thing in your life that causes you to to constantly fill up your brain about such things, 
And you, and you want to set that thing aside and you want to say, for one simple day, I'm going to take the thing that floods my mind 80% of the time and I want to push it away so that God can take up a hefty chunk of that 80%. That's what fasting is. Day number 11 is celebrate. After a hard day of fasting, we're going to celebrate God's covenant promise to us, his people, that we can simply be and abide in him. And day 12 is to take a Sabbath, to take a rest from the busyness of the world around us, to take time alone with God in his word. And that's what we're called to do this week. So as you see these challenges come your way this week, don't think about them as doing things. Think about them as ways that God is calling you to rest and remain in him, in your being, his child, in your being, a branch connected to the vine. Remember that our doing doesn't flow from an effort from ourselves, but it rather flows from our being. Our doing in this life, the things that we do, the, things, the, the fruit that we grow, doesn't come from our striving to grow it. It comes simply from being connected to that vine. So remain in him as you do the Red Letter Challenge this week. Remind yourself every day that God has found you blameless through his son Jesus Christ. You have been found perfected in his blood and that you have a new purpose, a new identity that is yours, not through any striving of your own, but through your connectedness to the I amness of Christ and to his being as the vine for you. Amen. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you this day for your goodness to us and we pray that you'll continue to guide us and keep us. As we, as we look to this next week of the Red Letter Challenge, help us to see this challenge not as an additional thing to do, but rather as a way to grow in our connectedness to you, as a way to reaffirm that we are a branch connected to you, that we might remain in you, that we might do those spiritual disciplines that help us to remove the other noise of life that we might see you in the fullness of your presence in our lives. Help us to hear your voice. Help us to share our voice with you in prayer and to continue to do what we can to not do, but rather just to be. And that in being, we might receive all the blessings and gifts that your Holy Spirit can provide. We pray this all in Jesus' holy and precious name and all God's people said, Amen. Amen.